This is the Straight Dope Podcast. This content episode is going to be released on Tuesday, and the second Ryan Kleckner interview is going to be released on Thursday. I wanted to get this out because some people want these short data thought episodes. Some people want interviews. Some people want both. So I'm going to try to do a mix of both. The reason I'm choosing this one is that it keeps coming up cycling. And actually, this last weekend, I went to the Guardian match and, and was involved in the train-up with Josh Lemon. And we gathered data really quickly and effectively using it. I've seen other classes run gathering data this way. And so I want to talk to you about get, da, blah, data gathering and a quick and easy way for you guys to do this. And you've probably heard of it if you pay any attention to Frank or Frank and Mark's course. And I'm going to introduce that to those of you who haven't. I think it's really cool. And then I'll put a link to a PDF that you can go download of the sheet. I'm going to walk through it. It might sound a little long-winded, but I think it's worth the explanation. So I'm going to go back in time a little bit to before I was around with Mark and Frank. They have been teaching classes, large classes, for a very, very long time, right? I mean, they are them and Jacob, and there are very few people that have been doing precision rifle courses like this that currently do it, that have been doing it for that long. And they gather a lot of data. They talk about data they gather on scope tracking, scope quality, laser rangefinders, tripods, bipods, you name it. They get to see a lot of stuff. And one of the problems they ran into is truing data from people coming in from all over the place in an efficient and organized way so that they could do their class with accurate data so they weren't chasing um, you know, the garbage in, garbage out kind of mentality. Well, as you can imagine, some people come squared away and some people don't. And the, at least for me, the more common method was you chronograph it, you enter the BC, you enter all the variables into your ballistic solver, and if everything is accurate, it should line up well. And while I, while I agree that that's true, I think also that's very hard to do because there are shooter variables, there's equipment variables, and there's also human user error issues putting stuff into a ballistic solver. And so this kind of bypasses all of that. And it says, you know, if that science is true, it's based on reality and it's based on physics. And, and what these guys have found a way to circumvent is that when you fire a rifle, you know, assuming it's the same grain bullet at a similar speed, it's going to behave in a certain way that's predictable. And that predictability isn't as defined to velocity BC. Uh, you know, I mean, it is when you're putting into a ballistic solver, but it is what it is. Like Ryan Kleckner says, I don't know if it was in the one that was released or the ones coming out or the one from last year, but you know, he says, you know, the numbers on your turrets, they're cool. They reference a system of measure that we use, but if you have a target and that target's triangle and you have a turret that is marked triangle and every time you put it on triangle and you aim at that target, assuming that your wind hold was, was good, you're going to hit the target, then does it matter what the unit is, what the number is? And arguably, you could say, well, it matters if you're trying to get data and then you're trying to go to an unknown target. But the point is, and what he's trying to say is that you know, that bullet's going to hit that target every time. And so if your ballistic solver says, you know, dial 100 mils, and every time you shoot at it, you hit it with 80 mils, and your ballistic solver says 100, and when you shoot at it and hit, you hold 80, 
what are you going to do? Are you going to dial 100 or are you going to dial 80? And so what these guys realized is that by collecting data over lots and lots of shooters, lots of different weapons or um, rifles, that there was a common pattern that these rifles expressed within the margin of error of, of a tenth of a mil, I guess, and with shooter variability that allowed people to gather good, accurate data to hit the targets that they were shooting at in their classes out to a thousand yards predictably, quickly, and reliably. They originally named that gravity ballistics. Since then, uh, no, they originally named it weaponized math, then they renamed it gravity ballistics. I think that's the name that is being used now. I think of it as bullet math or something like that, but they, they came up with it, they named it. You can go to Sniper's Hide. I'll put a link to the worksheet in the show notes so that you guys can go there, download it, and check it out. It will work for you, period, right? because the bullet's going to do what the bullet's going to do. I, I like to introduce it as, you know, the reality is the reality, and how you try to predict that reality has something to do with your mindset and who taught you. This is a way to say, okay, put on the brakes, and let's do it a different way. You'll get to the same numbers if what's entered into your ballistic calculator is accurate and true. You might not have that, and you might also not need it for your application. But what you do need is a couple bullets, and you need to know the distance of the targets that you're shooting at. We do it at fixed distances, every 100 yards out to 1,000. And you don't have to do it every 100 yards out to 1,000. In fact, if you do it right, you could probably do it with two targets. And I often do it with three. But the point is you need to take a couple shots and you need to adjust it because there's going to be shooter error, right? There's going to be some environmental error if you're shooting certain calibers at certain distances when it comes to aerodynamic jump, um, you know, because we're, tr we're trying to tune it down to a tenth of a mil or, you know, I'm just going to say a quarter of an MOA if, if, if you're using MOA. I'm going to be talking about mils. There is on the worksheet a thing for MOA and it also works. The takeaway is you're going to get your data for 100-yard increments. And then you could divide the distance in between into subunits of quarters, if it's MOA, or, or into 10. And you can get down to 10-yard increments really well, really accurately. And we did this at The Guardian this weekend. I've seen it done in other classes. And I do it with everybody. In fact, now I always just do this. And as an afterthought, I chronograph and make sure that it lines up in my ballistic calculator. But you can do this with a couple rounds <clears throat> instead of going through the whole song and dance of messing with your ballistic calculator if there's issues. So what happens? This isn't caliber dependent, really. And we can show this with lots of different things because it's based on a, a percentage of your total drop. And if your drop is different than somebody else's, obviously your elevation is, is different, what you're gonna dial. But there are increments that hold true from one yard line to the next. Now, most of the rifles that we're shooting are roughly a mil at 300 yards. I like to start it at 300 yards if possible, three or 400 yards. And, but you don't have to do one mil at 300. If you say, you know, normally it's 0.9. Okay, great, start with 0.9. If it's 1.1, fine, start with 1.1. You're trying to hit the target, and it helps to have a waterline because you're trying to be extremely precise. Now, the caveat to the waterline and the precision that you're capable of is that I like people to know their craft numbers and their positional shooting ability because if you shoot one inch, 
you're going to have three tenths in there that 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 you could be off on any individual shot. If you have a if your groups are larger, you're going to want to take some confirmation shots. But the tighter your groups, the more you can rely on individual shots. Now you enter your 300 yard data, and you shoot, and then you adjust your correction. So let's say you're at 300 yards and you're at one mil or 0.9 or 1.1 or 1.2 or 0.8 or whatever it is that your rifle has, you're going to multiply that elevation number by 1.75. And that's going to be most likely your 400 yard data. So you're going to need a calculator because I, I can't do this in my head. But let's say we start at 300 yards and we it's one mil exactly then you're going to multiply that by 1.75. That I can do in my head. 400-yard data is going to be 1.75. Now, if you have 0.2 increments, like on a night force, you're going to have to bracket between 0.6 and 0.8, um, or, or just under 0.8, right, to get 1.75. I'm not sure people can necessarily shoot the difference of 500s, of a, of a, but, but nevertheless, the number is 1.75. Round it if you have to, shoot a shot. If it's waterline, great. You take that data. Let's say, let's say you shoot, or you know, if you have a a, a, a loophole that's in, in in quarter increments, then you dial it to 1.75. You shoot. If it hits the waterline, awesome. If it's higher low by a tenth, I would take a confirmation shot. Make sure your other shot is consistent. You're going to adjust it to what you think would be waterline. You're going to multiply that by 1.45. That's going to give you your 500 yard data. And you're going to take that 500 yard data, do the same thing. To get 600, you're going to multiply it by 1.4. You're going to do the same thing from 600. You're going to get your number. You're going to adjust it if you have to. To get 700, you're going to take that 600 yard dope and multiply it by 1.3. From 700 to 800, you're going to multiply the 700 by 1.25. 800 to 900, you're going to multiply it by 1.24. And 900 to 1,000, you're going to multiply it by 1.22. They first figured this out and developed it because everybody was shooting at 1,000 yards, and they wanted to bring it to 900, and people weren't sure what to do. And they noticed that the percentage of the dope that was between these big bore rifles and, and, and small short action rifles, regardless of the dope that they had at 1,000 yards, to hit 900 yards, um, they had to divide it by 1.22. Right? And, so, and that number was consistent across all these calibers, regardless of the elevation that they held to get to 900 yards, that ratio was consistent. And so that's how weaponized math was born. Weaponized math was renamed gravity ballistics. And whatever you call it, the bullet math works out. Now, I've done this a lot. And most of my rifles, I just dial a mill at 300, shoot a waterline. And if it's 0.9, great. If it's 1.1, great. I put in 0.9, I put in 1.1, I put in 1, whatever, whatever it is for that particular rifle. And... I have never had to take more than one shot per target to get my thousand yard data, divide it, and I just, I'm good to go. We did that at the Guardian, back plugged the data from 
the ballistic chart to a thousand in terms of inputs to my Kestrel. I put the box BC in my burger ammo and then all I did was adjust my velocity so that it met the drop at a thousand yards and I shot the entire match using factory burger ammo, box BC, and it was trued first and then I trued the Kestrel based on my thousand yard drop and won the match. So I think that it can be done. I think you can shoot factory ammo. I think that this system works very well. You have to be able to shoot a small group in the position that you're getting your data in. You need to know whether there's going to be jump or not jump. But you know, if you're getting jump from wind and you're truing your zero at 100 yards on paper or 200 yards on paper, we trued zeros at 200 yards on paper and we did our craft drills at 200 yards on paper at this Guardian match. And if you're in similar wind conditions, then you're basically zeroing out the jump and you're zeroing out that component of it. So um, I didn't make any aerodynamic jump changes for my, I turned it off in my ballistic calculator and it seemed to work fine. If you're gonna be in different environmental conditions, you might want, you're gonna have to maybe consider adjusting your data by a 10th based on whether the wind's from the right or the left, but it, it worked fine. And, um, you know, again, it was factory ammo. It was trued first on steel targets and then um, entered into my Kestrel. And I carried my Kestrel around, but I didn't, I didn't have to, to dick around very much. And I've seen that done over and over and over and over again. It works. It's easy. And if it's done correctly, you could shoot 369. You could shoot four, seven, a thousand. And if you see a difference, you know, you adjust it and then you multiply up from that adjusted calibrated uh, drop number and it'll get you, it'll get you there. So I think that's pretty cool. Now, let's say you have a 300-yard target and an 800-yard target. How would you go about doing that? Well, you would take your 300-yard, you would true it. Let's say it's one. And then you would multiply that by 1.75, then you would multiply that by 1.45, then you would multiply that by 1.4, then you would multiply that by 1.30, then you would multiply that by 1.25, and that would give you your try data for 800 yards. I hope I just said 800. Did I say 800 yards originally? But nonetheless, you would just multiply up, you know, in sequence until you got to that number. And if you have odd ranges from there, let's say you're shooting um, 750 yards. You know, I would, I would take my 700-yard data and my 800-yard data, and I would look at the difference between that. And let's say my 700-yard data is, you know, uh, 4.5 mils, and my 800-yard data is 5.5 mils, which, you know, for some, some of you, that might be pretty close to, to what you have. You'll notice that that's one mil difference for 100 yards. Well, that means that every 10 yards, you're going to change your data by a tenth. And in the ranges that most of us are competing and shooting inside of a thousand yards, it's not too far off to have it be, you know, after say 400 yards to 600 to 700 to 800. I mean, if you're shooting at 308, it's going to be about a mil per hundred yards to 600. If you're shooting a, a, a dasher, 
that might be out to 750 yards. If you're shooting, you know, six Creedmoor, it might be to 800. But in those ranges, it's usually about a tenth per 10 yards. And so, you, but you'll know that, right? If 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 it's 0.9 per 100 yards, it, it it's going to be a little less than a tenth. But can you shoot the difference? And what are you going to do? You're going to have to round anyway. So I, I think that this works really well. And for the application of a field shooter, it's another tool for your tool case that is quick and easy and you can do confirmation you can and all you have to do is carry around either a piece of paper and the multipliers or a calculator right your phone uh, you can get one of those little calculator watches like we're around in the 80s and um, or a little solar calculator or something like that and you could make a little flashcard. Um, nevertheless it's a good trick to have because you might not have a chronograph you might not have access to this stuff in the field and uh, you might still need to get data. If you have a range finder or an ability to get a range, then um, you should be able to do that. Now the flip side to that, obviously there's other things that you could do with it. Like let's say you, 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 know, you, you have great data uh, and you know that this works, but you don't know a range. You have a suppressed thing and you want to figure out what the range is. You could shoot to a distance and then you know your um, you can calculate your data and say, hey, look, you know, I, I know I'm a mil at 300 and I just shot like a sighter out there and it was six mils. Um, and you, you might say, oh, that's 850 yards based on my drop. So you could range by fire and back calculate stuff if you're familiar with how these numbers work. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's worth sharing. Like everything I like to do is go out and test it. So just like a couple years ago, I went to some NRL hunter matches and said, I'm going to shoot the whole match off a tripod. I'm going to shoot the whole match standing off a tripod or whole match kneeling off a tripod. Or I'm going to go to a match and I'm going to shoot it with ammo that has SD of 100 or, or SD of 30, an extreme spread of 100. Um, I wanted to, to apply this and, and I applied it by taking factory ammo with no data back inputting the data into my Kestrel and then running that based on gravity ballistics so that I could see that it works at a match. And, you know, it w wasn't one MOA targets. It wasn't F-class. It wasn't bench rest. But for a field match with hard wind conditions and, you know, I think the average target size was uh, like 0.6 mils. So... You know, they're they're not tiny targets, but they're also not huge. Uh, it worked, and I think that it's worth exploring. So my challenge to all of you listeners is put aside your bias and your preference for your Kestrel and your chronograph for one day and take this to the range and prove to yourself that it works. And if there's an issue, shoot paper at you know using the same positions and ask yourself if the variance that you're seeing, because you might have to adjust more than once if you're shooting a large group. You might go three, four, but five might be high or low on the plate, so you got to adjust it down to that waterline. Ask yourself if you were tracking out based on potentially high shots in, a, in the probability zone of, you know, one MOA, um, you got this this five inch circle at 500 yards that your shots can go in, and if you drew a one inch line, 
most of those shots are going to end up being high or low. So you shoot one or two shots to make sure that the average is waterline and run those numbers. So, you know, if you're not super consistent, you might have to take more than one shot per plate. It's probably not a bad idea to take two shots, three shots, but you'll get the idea really quickly because if you take that bad data out, you'll see that it deviates. If you have good data and you're consistent, that number will be waterline. And I filmed that with Frank on a couple, um, a couple days where we did two or three shots, like four, six, nine. And they were waterline, 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 or three, five, eight, waterline, waterline, waterline. And it was just from the data that we got at 300 yards. So I know it'll work. I've done it with lots of calibers. I want you to prove it to yourself and see how quickly you can true that up. Then go back and see if it matches your Kestrel. Then go back and see if it matches ballistic stuff. Because my hunch is that if you're using good bullets, and I'm going to say that Sierras are good, Hornadies are good, Burgers are good, I bet the BC is pretty close to the one published, right? I understand Litz has his library of BCs, but I think a lot of people are changing BCs way past the variance that you see there between the published one and the Litz one, and I think it's the same thing like Hornady. They do Doppler stuff, but they have good bullets. Now, I'm not talking about their factory ammo in terms of consistency. I'm talking about the bullets themselves. They're good bullets. Sierra has good bullets. There are a lot of good bullets out there, and my guess is that the BC is probably really accurate and that a lot of people are screwing things up because they're changing the BC to match poor shooting or they're changing the BC to match poor velocity. And so this is a way to kind of dummy check things back and forth. And I like the idea of seeing what reality says first and then the digital data because if we come too dependent on digital data, it's easy to overlook the shooter error. It's easy to overlook some of the things that we might be missing in our understanding of shooting. And for me, and hopefully for my listeners, that's the only thing, right? We're trying to understand our shooting better. And to understand our shooting better, I think we can track most of it back to an analog method, analog tricks. The simpler, the better. It's fun to have toys. It's fun. I mean, I have so many gadgets that I like testing. I have so many things that I like testing. But it's testing to see if there's a way to do it analog and validate that you can do it analog, paper and pencil, or out in the field in a way that's faster and more efficient once you kind of get familiar with it and to me, that indicates a higher level marksman. Like you're a good, or maybe not marksman, rifleman. If you're a good rifleman, you got a lot of tricks and a lot of tools and a, way to, a, lot of solve, uh, a lot of ways to solve problems. This is a cool way to add problem solving to your toolkit. Now, are you going to do it all the time? No, probably not. But you'll have proved to yourself that it works. Then just carry around a sheet. I'm sure that you'll find an application for it. I think it's really cool. Everywhere I go, I'm going to introduce it to people. When people come train with me, I validate their data doing this. And when I coach people, I have them do this. Everyone that comes to shoot with me in person and private for private coaching, private training, classes, we all do this because it's a good way to double check stuff. And if you have a large group of people, you can get it done in 15 minutes. Whereas truing data and screwing with kestrels could take, again, a long, long time. And you just don't have that with a big class because everybody's there to learn something, not stand around while you deal with the two or three people that are having problems. So give it a shot. Go look for it on Sniper's Hide, or I'll put a link in the show notes. I think it's worthwhile. 
And again, thanks for the support and look forward to the Ryan Kleckner part two interview uh, in a couple days.